0: Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi, Ike.
1: Hi. Hi, Beth.
0: Hi, Jenna. Hello, Beth. I'm so glad to have you here with us today, Ike. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course.
0: You just got back into town, right?
1: I did. I did from Tucson, uh, Arizona. and um,
0: Maybe you could do a little intro of yourself.
1: Okay. Uh, My name is Iken Dole. I am a worship leader, kind of, and a songwriter, kind of, and musician. And um, I live in Tempe, Arizona. What, what? And where it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. And... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm married as of December 30th to a wonderful human being. Her name is Mallory. You
0: We've know what tried. I think is funny? I just recently read that when men introduce themselves, they introduce themselves by what they do. And when women introduce themselves, they introduce themselves by, I'm a wife, I'm a mom. So I say it's funny because you totally did that. If you had asked me to introduce myself, I would have said, I'm Jenna. Wife, mom Hmm. to four girls, founder of Blessed She. The orders flip flopped. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? That's interesting. Well, I mean, but then like people were looking at like Twitter profiles and stuff like that. And women will have like wife, mom, and then their thing. Hmm. Whereas guys will have, you know, whatever.
2: Yeah. Women define themselves by their relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I have no relationship status. Yeah, Beth, how do you introduce yourself? I also don't have a job title on any of my profiles. (laughs) Like, I don't define, don't try to define me. Don't try to put me in a box, guys.
1: Undefinable. Indescribable.
2: This is my new profile right here.
1: Boom. (laughs) Thank you, Chris (laughs) Tomlin. Do you
2: remember when that song was big?
1: (laughs) Oh, do I remember? (laughs) It's funny how, as as someone who plays, you know, and leads worship, how fast you forget things. You Mm -hmm. know, like how fast you forget songs. And uh, we were just at Steubenville West in Tucson. And one of the ladies who runs the conference, I used to work with her at a church in Mesa. She <laughs> likes to remember older songs and she really loved that song, the happy song. And so one what? year, she, yeah, I know. She's like, I want you to play it for me. I'm like, no, I will Sing never it. How's that. it go? Armida. What is that? I, uh, I could sing unending songs of how no. you saved my soul. <laughs> oh,
2: it <laughs> is Yeehaw, isn't it? Or
1: something, who knows?
2: Or something terrible. Something real bad. Wow. Yeah.
1: No yeah. offense to whoever wrote that song. I have no idea. Dude. They're yeah.
2: probably listening to this podcast yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm sure down. they
1: are. Like, I take offense to this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you know what I want to know?
1: Yes. No, what? I don't know what you want to know. I'm
2: about to ask you. But I'm going to tell you. What, what worship song used to wreck you, like in your early, early days? I want to know that for early days and now. Oh,
0: okay. Wreck me. Ike, you're first.
1: Okay. Mm. Well, I'll say this. There's a song that I still, to this day, that's a very old worship song, How Great Is Our God, and I love it, yeah. and I still play it. And I don't know why, but it's still, it still wrecks me, which is why I still play it. So anything, yeah, yeah. I think anything that, that wrecked that has deeply... Like has effect on me. I don't know what, what it is about that song. Yeah. But you know, leading worship with it, I love it.
0: It's such a good song. And it's great. Oh my it's gosh. Great. It's a classic for sure.
1: Yeah. And right now it's no longer slaves. I can't remember who wrote it, but um
0: Get out of here.
1: Sorry. Bethel really,
0: Music Family. I'm
1: really bad at that. I'm sorry. Parks, do
0: you know when I asked you to play that song? No. For our retreat two no. years ago. You did? Yep. And you I refused. I wasn't feeling wouldn't it. Do it. I wasn't feeling <laughs> and it. Now?
1: Two years is a dark time for me guys. <laughs> But I have I le- so
0: much sadness in my heart.
1: But let me tell you, the next time I'm at the Blessed Is <laughs> She event, that song is getting played.
0: Yes. Isn't it the greatest? Beth wasn't a big fan either until we went to the Bethel conference last year, year and she heard the background story of it.
1: Mm. So good. Stories are huge. They're oh my like gosh!
0: Once massive. you once you learn yes. the reason behind the song and the heart behind it, it or anything really, yeah, massive. anything, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: even yeah. an artist like artists, you know, people in entertainment are starting to figure that out. You know, like they want to know your story. Like Will yeah. Smith is like blowing up right now, which is funny thing to say because he's Will Smith, he's like the king, but yeah. he's like blowing up right now on like social media because he just finally is like. I'm going to share my life. You're going to see my story. And people have always, I mean, I love Will. He's like a big brother to me. I Mm. obviously don't know him at all. And he doesn't know me. But he seriously, I grew up with Will Smith. Love that dude. And now he's sharing his life with people. And I'm like, I didn't know I could love him even more. I just love Will Smith hard. He's so great. So it does. It's like stories behind things really are, I mean, they help. You know, like they. They give context and scope and, you know, it's experiential. So
0: we've talked about that in the past. I think Anna and Shannon's shared that you can't be offended at someone's story. Yeah. You can be offended by their stance or what they believe in, I guess, but yeah, ultimately when they share their heart and their story.
2: Well, Father Park says too, when it comes to evangelizing, just share your story because people Mm. can get mad at your story. Right. It's yours.
0: Mm. It's
1: just a cool thing to be able to like take in other people's journeys and just let it wash over you. And you can think whatever you want about that person, but you you are instantly kind of closer to them, even at the person you'll never meet in your life, or if it's just a thing, like a song. And I think that can, that can be hard for artists to to share stories behind songs. And I know it's hard for me, and maybe not so much in worship music, but I don't really write a lot of worship music, which is the kind of like the weird juxtaposition of my life. As I'm a worship leader, I don't really write worship songs, not like a ton. So it's like tricking people. Like I can go to a conference and play like in front of like 3000 people. And then I come back and do my own show. And I'm like, we're so excited. We saw you at this thing and it was great. And I'm like, cool. Let me share you this song about racism.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, you even say this is my story in your newest single Your table, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah,
1: it was kind of like a, I felt like it was a bold thing for me, but. It's no secret. I mean, if anybody ever follows me on Twitter or like occasionally on Facebook, I will share my stuff and share how I feel about what's happening in the country with racism and immigration. And I I don't hide that. But I think I've always kind of kept my music away from that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So doing this song, Your Table, which is the newest single that we released, it was one of those moments where I'm like, man, I just... People are just gonna hate it, but people can't get mad at your story. It's your story. That's literally what that was. And even with my producer, like some some producers like get involved with all aspects, even lyrics, and some don't. And so Chase, the dude who produced this record, helped me produce this record. You know, we would like lyric joust, you know, and a lot of stuff. This is one of the songs. I am like one of the few where I am like explicitly my story. I am like trying to change the line. Like, no, no, no. This is like literally Mm. this line is literally me. So you cannot. We can't change it. And so, like it was, it was a very personal and, and important song to me, and just kind of one of those things where I really want the whole record to be a, a story and a journey. I think um, so. It's like kind of taking excerpts out of a book. You don't have books; don't have singles like, "Hey, check out this hot new single from Stephen King from his new book." You know, yeah, it's like, Chapter Thirty Eight. Yeah, Chapter Thirty Eight is, really is far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, like, that doesn't happen, you know. And, you know, music is not uh, explicitly the same, but I think I and we approached this record in that way, trying to really start a narrative, I guess, or tell a story. And-
0: We've talked before about how important vulnerability is. Yeah. And that goes along with sharing your story with people and and letting yourself be seen, kind mm-hmm. of, for the first time. Like you said, I've only shared parts of that. And again, this is, this is like giving more parts of yourself to people. Right. But was that scary at all to... To say, this is like a bigger dose yeah. of kind of the things I've been teasing in the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was scary. I think probably for every songwriter, uh, art is scary. Songwriter or artist or whatever, like putting your art out there is, I think it's a scary thing. But when when you're like super attached to it, like, oh, this is like a, like my story. And it gets even more nerve wracking. It was one of those ones where I was like, I don't know. I, was, I wanted to do it, but I was nervous about it. The response has been great. And I, you know, come back to that, like, it's my story. And I think people take it as that. Like, there's not really much you can say, you know, about it. I have, I've voiced other opinions. And so as a result of my story, it gives me my particular worldview. And if you don't really know that story, and then all you hear is my opinion and my, like, worldview, you don't really hear it, my experiences. And it can be, I think it can be jarring, you yeah. know, maybe so for some people, especially in the in the realms that I've, been traveling in, the Catholic Christian worship thing, ministry thing, I think people tend to think that because you're on stage singing Jesus songs that you probably think like, oh, other, like every other Jesus follower. And that's not even true. Even in that crowd of 3,000 people, everyone's different and has different stories and different life experiences and nobody thinks the same. and there might be somebody in that crowd that's like, I don't know how I feel about X, Y, and Z. You know, the person right next to them is like, I feel very strongly about X, Y, and Z. And yeah. that's just how, that's just life. It's just human. You know, and it doesn't change just because we all, you know, we're under the banner of Christian or Catholic.
2: Yeah. yeah, don't you think that's true for most people, though, that political opinions or preferences or even like styles of worship right. or liturgy, all of that is born out of their experience? It's true and that you could have a bad experience with one thing that's actually a good beautiful true thing
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that informs you then that that thing is wrong or right. dangerous right. you know right so i think we could probably all do more <laughs> to to listen to people's stories and to respect that that's their experience but yeah. also i think to be open to saying that was my experience but that that wasn't the full picture. For as like emotional as it was and as personal as it was, there is a bigger picture, Yeah, you know?
1: In, in a, a vulnerable statement, I've, I've had like a rough five years in many aspects, but especially faith-wise, you know, I really have sh- struggled hard. I mean, really to the point of unbelief, in many points in my, in my kind of faith journey. I feel like I've journeyed in and out of that, but it's not something that's like, oh, but that was then. And like, I've thrown off that person and I'm completely mm. done with it. You know, like we yeah. love those stories and, you know, come in like Christianity. Now it's like, yeah, I was on crack, but now I got Christ. Yeah. Everything's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's not the case because I still struggle with doubt. You know, I still struggle with um, emptiness or whatever it is. I- I'll say for me personally, like my journey got a lot brighter when I met my wife and something that, you know, I thought was kind of beyond the realm of, ever experiencing. I never thought I could have, you know, I saw so many of my friends who have been married and it like seemed so easy for them. And I was just kind of like resigned, like, oh, this is not going to happen for me. And I did, you know, was, like one of those things that's part of my story ongoing that like, that brought a lot of healing and marriages brought a lot of scope and purpose to who I am, to what I do. I almost want to like start switching my responses and say, I need to start saying husband first before mm-hmm. anything. Cause like that's really like, honestly, that's been the thing and it's only been six months, you know, but so for us at six months, it's something that's just starting, but it is something that we, and we talk about this a lot, like how it is, we didn't expect it to define us so fast and for it to free us, you know? And so that moment of vulnerability, I say, I did struggle a lot, in my faith for five years, and I still have those echoes of struggle. It's not gone. It's just, I think it's been given context mm. and scope, but that's just part of the story. Who knows? Maybe in another six months, I'll be back in that well of darkness or mm. despair, or whatever it is. And so this, this record for me was, um, was an attempt to be more honest in my art without any attachments. Cause you know, the previous things I've done, it's always been like, okay, I need to write a song. That's going to really go over well, worship the worship crowd, you know, this conference whatever. And this is the first time I was like, it wasn't unintentionally. intentionally, I'm not rebelling against anything. I mean, I'm not rebelling against, which is funny. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I think if there's like rebelliousness in my nature, but this record was not like, uh,
0: I'm gonna get back at you.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that it was just really like, no, I just need to be honest. And yeah. It was a freeing thing. I think no more constraints, no more like oh, I gotta do this. I'm like, I, there's plenty of opportunities for me to do that. And I will continue to write all sorts of songs. And I got some really great advice when I first did my first record from Matt Marr. And he was like, dude, just write songs don't, don't worry about what like It is just like, right. It can be a worship song. It can be a love song, whatever, just right. And Matt, you know, who's a friend, like that guy's written tons and tons of songs, maybe songs that maybe nobody will get to hear, but they're all just songs. And it's good. Yeah. You know, you just write, just write to write, you know, it's okay. And I think every little bit of that has a little bit of you, a little bit of your story. So I think it's just, I just wanted it to be me finally and not anything else, you know, just completely me and, it's not commercially lucrative
0: <laughs>
1: that's just music nowadays nothing yeah. is really coming i like hey go listen to me on spotify for free so i can get two cents in the four months or whatever you're just like you, now it's truly like you're doing it for kind of like the love of what of yeah. art. so and being able to tell your story which i think is important
2: it's so cool i'm i'm so proud of you i'm so happy for you Thanks that's like a, it's a beautiful journey to be able to say, I just have to be me. Yeah. And to be confident enough to do that in such a public way is a really brave thing.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. It might be dumb, (laughs) but I do feel, yeah. I mean, it's to to guard against false humility. I am very, very proud of this. Like Mm -hmm. I I really am never been more proud of anything. And in the past, I've done a record, you know, like I'll write a song, done two records, and I've worked with some really great people. Robbie C. produced my first record. Paul Mayberry, who produced my second record. Great dudes, great like writers and producers, and they're amazing. The process for this was very, very different. In the past, you know, I, I wrote a song, and then we reviewed all the songs, and then, okay, and um, then I just kind of handed it over. I'm like, okay, well, here's this, like, it's my vocals and my guitar, and... Uh, do something with it. Let's do it. And this is the first time I'm like, okay, I kind of want to start engineering these songs on my own from the top to the bottom, which is not, I mean, which is a, was a new thing for me, you know? Like, so I got on logic and my, you know, my keyboard and I just started doing demos on my own, like full on, like, what is that? What do what I want? What do I want the song to sound like? You know, all that stuff. And it was really great. Cause Chase, the producer I worked with lives in Nashville was so great. And it was like, I was almost on like a, co- like a co-producing effort. A lot of the things that I did on my own in my tiny little whatever studio space was on the record. There's like a lot of stuff from the demo, like scratch stuff that's on there. And the first session that we had a, of tracking, you know, and I was, I was in Nashville for like two weeks. At the end of it, we're like scheduling out the next time I'm coming back. I just started crying. Yeah. I was like, dude, thank you so much for letting me be me. You know, like, thank you so much for like letting me just tell my story. I feel so connected to this because it's me. You know, this wasn't somebody else's interpretation of what I should sound like or say, but it's like me. So,
2: or what they think you're saying, exactly,
1: exactly, exactly, which is also yeah, cool process. And I cry like an idiot. I cry a lot. I cry more than my wife. So,
2: kind of going back to your album and your whole like journey of faith how how do you do it like i think there are people that want to be free to break away from like norms oh yeah whether politically or in the church or in their families but like what was that for you? was that mallory for you was that a particular conference that you just got to a point and it, you were like i just i can't do this anymore i have to be me
1: yeah the journey it started um well i think it started with my dad's death when you experience something that profound, a lot of stuff gets stripped away. And then shortly after that, and it's going to sound funny, but I, I think, I, I hope I'm answering this right. In August, like four or five years ago, you know, I went on the news and saw that this kid had been shot by a cop, which is something for me, like, you know, like I, when I was in high school, like there was this African immigrant in New York who was shot buy it like 47 times because he, he was taking out his wallet to show his ID. And I like posted flyers over my school, you know, wow. my school about like the injustice of this, but also yeah. like, this is not something that's very new for the black community. Like sure. it's something that like, is an ongoing thing, but you know, so this kid and Mike Brown was shot, you know, in Ferguson, Missouri. And I, and up until then my presence on social media was just kind of sharing my music or, sharing stupid stuff uh, about like Smurfs or something like that, you know, like wasn't anything serious. And then, and then I did. And then I, I just couldn't say it, not say anything. Mm. And I didn't really expect kind of the backlash that I got, but it was like pretty immediate, you know? And I was like really uh, taken aback by Christians, not random faceless trolls, but like people I knew. And so I instantly felt unsafe Mm. in communities that I had been in. I felt unsafe mm-hmm. and unwelcome and unseen and unheard. So I think somebody even said to me once, a friend, he's like, you just kind of stop with all that stuff. It's not like important or something like that. You know, you know, I just like it just further alienated myself. I felt unsafe. And so I started to break away every and every way that I could, except for except for the fact that the communities I was trying to break away from is how I made my money, is how I made a living. And so I just, I kind of detached and uh, tried to seek out safe places, but really kind of just felt alone in it. And to the point of despair, I think, you know, it was one of those catalysts that really led to my kind of dark night of the soul. You know, I was just, I felt out. So I just decided I was going to be out. I'll just take off. Like, it's not worth it. It's hard when you're like, you you see it and you just think man, nobody cares. One and on the other hand, people are. And I've heard, heard conversations. You know, people would relay conversations that they're like, they like this. People think you're crazy now. I'm like crazy because I care about this. Like, how can I not care about this? You know, like it's like almost people like for the first time. do you see that SNL sketch? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a video, and it, you know when like Lemonade came out, Beyonce like there was like this, uh, they did this whole bit where they're like, Beyonce
0: is black. Totally. Oh my gosh, you know? they, saw co- they saw your, they totally. saw your color.
1: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Or I kind of made it known as like, hey, yeah. do y'all know I was black? Right. And I cared about this stuff and yeah. it actually affects me and it's what I grew up with yeah. and it's what I experience. you know, like on a daily basis. There are times where it's like, it's just easier. Like when you have to think about like, do I want to drive my 2004 Hyundai Sonata to fries right now? Because I know there's like, I've seen some cops and I'd just rather not deal with that. You know, like that's a, like that's a reality that I live and that's just kind of like a mild side of it. So for me to be vocal about these things was making people uncomfortable, clearly. Because like a lot of people just didn't even want to mention it. But then there was hostility. And I just wanted to see a little compassion. When I post about Philando Castile getting shot in Minnesota, I just wanted compassion. Instead, I got, well, you know, abortion is way worse. I don't, you know, like, I don't feel, I don't, in you So you don't feel safe with these people. I don't feel safe with these people anymore. And I don't, that's, I'm not trying to be like, but there is a certain sort of like, I don't, I don't trust you. You know what I'm saying? Like these circles that I'm in, I don't know who I can trust. And, and some people let me know that I can't trust them vocal, you know, like on, you know, and I'll get a lot of people like messaging me after it's like, Hey, I was just trying to start a conversation. Like, no, you weren't. You were just trying to be right. You don't care. And it's callous and I don't trust you. So if you want to have a discussion, you have my number or you can just message me, but you trying to start stuff on my thing. When I post something that you should be compassionate about a man lost his life, a woman lost her husband or boyfriend, a kid lost their father those are just simple things. Like as a Christian, we should probably be compassionate about and, and, and instead of like trying to compute what side of the aisle it falls under, it's like, Oh no, this is mm-hmm. way too liberal of a thing for me to say, to have any sort of compassion or even pay any attention to. Yeah. For me, it's just, it, it took one me. I felt like I was just withdrawing from all of it, just withdrawing, withdrawing. Mm-hmm. And then, Part of it was coming back to my faith, which was my wife was definitely part of that process of being healed of a lot of that and realizing that I could be someone who longs for justice and can strive to work for these things and believe in these things and still be a Christian. I was like, I was going to have to leave. I, was mm-hmm. like, I can't do this anymore. And so since then, I've got, I've a lot of it's been, and it's okay, but like loving everyone as a Christian is hard. So this is where for me, it comes down, you know, like, to someone who is clearly antagonistic to me, can I love that person? Oh, that's a hard thing. Like that's I can say like yeah, I you know love our enemies as in as a concept. But when this person who I know is antagonistic and and or just straight racist, like how do you do that as a Christian? You know, how do you do that as a Christian who that racism is directed at you? Like that's that's really really hard. And so, I mean, I I don't have any answers to that, but I guess the freedom has come in knowing that Jesus is cool with me where I'm at Mm. one. And he also too is about compassion and love and doesn't at all like racism. Part of being a black Christian Catholic and a lot of like non-black, like white spaces is like, you do feel outside. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe Jesus doesn't really care Mm. about, this struggle, like no, he's close to the brokenhearted. Mm. He's the friend to the oppressed. Of course he does. Of course he is. Of course he's there with, you know, just realizing like I had done a disservice to to my Jesus.
0: Mm.
1: I he was like, listen, I know how they're painting me, literally, but that ain't me. You know me, mm. and it was reconnecting with Jesus, the real mm. Jesus. And I was like, he's you know who I am. I'm Savior. I'm King. Like I'm Lover. Of all, I'm like, oh, right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. It's good to know. Good to. I needed to remember that. That's where the freedom comes in. So I can sit here and be like, you know, like there's things that like I struggle with, like church teachings or I struggle with these these things. But like I always come back to the person of Jesus. He always draws me back. And I know that he has me where he wants me. And that's good, you know, and that's good. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And so when I'm, I'm like, can I make this record? Like, is that okay? Should I just write... A bunch of Jesus songs. He's like, No, don't do that. That's dumb. I don't want you to do that. You're not good at it anyway. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. He's like, No, have you where I need you. And I think the freedom was knowing that everything I am is still trying to please the Father and go after the heart of God, you know? And sometimes that does look like posting an article about racism in the prison system. And it also is leading worship at a conference. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to be separate. Yeah. And that's where the freedom has come. It doesn't have to be separate. It's okay. Like those things can, can coexist side by side. And I don't have to be afraid or ashamed or nervous. And I've, it's taken time, but I feel like people who have shown support and love and like, they're like, it's okay, man, we are with you. We stand with you. I'm like, oh, not feeling alone is a big deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's why I love being Catholic. And as a Jesus follower, I can't imagine, for me personally, I can't imagine not being Catholic. Because the church is big, and it's messy, and we're all sorts of people. And I i really am not. I'm not the guy who's going to be like, yeah, Catholics are the best. We're everything. Da da, da da But I love the church because of that. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Pope Francis was a huge thing for me. Huge. He came on the scene and I remember, I think I was talking to my mom about it and uh, my mom always gets me to cry. And I just started crying. I'm like, I really needed this dude.
0: <laughs> like,
1: I really needed this guy. I really needed him. And it sounds like a weird thing. And, you know, but I did, I like his loving example and humility is like, yeah, I mean, it, it gave me like hope, you know, in like in a very, very dark space and, Literally all of his moves. I'm like, man, this dude is, <laughs> I think he was elected Pope literally just for me. <laughs> it was just for me. Cause yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a multifaceted answer. So many things I feel like led to that freedom, but it was a journey, you know, it was like, you know, like a, like a kind of a traumatic moment, you know, with, you know, death of my father and then seeing some of the ugliness, you know, in the world and finally, being like, ah, I can't deal with this anymore, Um to like doubt and alienation and uh, the whole journey back to, you know, I love I love calling myself a Jesus follower, which is not something that I did or, you know, like honestly, past leaders was a very hard thing for me. So Pope Francis is in there, Papa Francisco, <laughs> my wife, thank you, Mallory. And then just Jesus never letting me go and finally getting through my haze and he's like, Okay, man, I'm with you. He just let me know. He's like, he's like my ride or die. You know what I'm saying? I
2: do. <laughs> I know exactly what you're
1: saying. <laughs> uh, Jesus, that dude. You know, he's just that dude. But really, it was honestly, like, and also like the church is, I think, is a beautiful place to to be because I feel like just like just like the heart of Father, there's just kind of room. There's a room for us, mm-hmm. you know, and our stories are still being written you know like they're still being played out and for me personally this is a it's a beautiful space to do it in this church it's big it's messy and it's beautiful and i love it
2: thanks guys okay now what i want to come back to yes. that we never got around to okay was everybody's worship song oh yeah <laughs> really, really <high>. I, I.
1: <laughs> that's right
2: i used to love at studentville's how there would be like this one song And it was like kind of a new the newer it song. So it was King of My Heart like two years ago and Sarah Kroger used to just sing the heck out of that song. Mm -hmm. And then one year it was I'm not alone. That song wrecked me, the Carrie Job song. You definitely know it. You sang it like 12 times at Super Bowl that year. Me? Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: No way. I've never sang that song. I don't think I don't think so. I'm not alone. How's that go?
2: I'm not alone. No, never. Come on. I'm gonna send it to you. I've never what was the song this weekend?
1: The song this weekend, I don't, I don't know. I think it was, oh, this is probably a whole another can, can of worms, but maybe this was just for me. But And this is an older song. It was, oh, come to the altar. But I did. It's a great song. We did the chorus in Spanish, as cool. in I sang the chorus in Spanish. Wow. Last weekend, I had this friend of mine, worship leader, play keys for me. His name is Ricky Vasquez. And he's from Puerto Rico, speaks Spanish. And he was just kind of messing around. And he's sang oh, come to the altar, the chorus in, in Spanish. I'm like, bro you gotta sing that. A lot of it was just like my rebelliousness. I'm like, you just gotta sing a song in Spanish. Like, that's great. But it was seriously an amazing moment. Like, he started, we went through the whole song in English and it goes back to the chorus in Spanish and there's like this group of, you know, Spanish teenagers like kind of like in the front middle and as soon as he started singing in Spanish they just came alive, you know? And it was like such a moving thing for me and I remember my good friend and like early mentor and worship, Tom Booth, was always like that. I always wanted to include you know, Spanish. I was always low-key resistant because I don't speak Spanish, and I just didn't want to like embarrass myself, and I was like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. So we did that. I remember I texted him, I was like, dude, this really cool thing happened, and I thought of you. And he's And he said to me, he's like, think of what you said to those kids. And we did that. So that was in Atlanta, and we, just, we were just in Tucson. Ricky wasn't with us. And so I'm like, I have to do this. So I spent literally from the moment I got off the plane last weekend, just learning the Spanish chorus and the, and the bridge. That's yeah. Joe all.
0: Sanchez either tweeted about it, Instagram yeah. about it. How it was so touching. Man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was in, in, in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah, So I was like, I'll do it. And this is Tucson. I mean, it's predominantly Hispanic, you know? Yeah. like, And I think it's kind of a travesty that I'll take this on me on myself personally, that I have not taken it upon myself to learn at least a chorus in Spanish. It's like really unacceptable. So I did. And I was, ter- we went through the whole song and I was terrified. I'm like, here we
0: go. You survived.
1: Survived, did it. And it was super, super powerful. Okay. Yeah. I mean, super powerful. I asked my Spanish speaking friends, actually this nun from my Carmel. asked her, I'm like, okay, be honest, be blunt. Yeah. was it bad. And she's very honest. She was like, it was uh on a scale of one to ten 7.5 i'm like i'll take 7.5 i'll take that yeah she was like yeah you know like there were some pronunciation things and she was like really honest i'm like great that's, that's i need to hear that but yeah. but uh, i had other friends from el paso there and they were like that was a really powerful moment especially for our teens and i was like that's great it was great
2: yeah.
1: so ricky's with me in new york this weekend so he can sing he can go back to singing and singing right but um I'm on my own again for San Francisco. So I'm going to do it.
2: Oh my gosh. You still have so many more.
1: I know. I know. Wow.
2: And then St. Paul, here we come.
1: St. Paul, baby.
2: All right. Let's pray in the name of the father, and of the son of the Holy spirit. Amen. Father. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you stick with us, that you keep on revealing yourself to us through your son. I ask Lord that, You would pour out your healing balm over all those who have felt alone or out of place, especially in your church. We would enter into that brokenheartedness, into their loneliness, God, and be totally present. And I pray for that same grace to be present to people to truly listen to their stories and, um, in all humility, God to to hear them. And we love you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Sing your name. We pray. Amen. 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 Well,
0: thanks, Ike.
1: Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Ike. Good to see you.
1: Great to see you guys. <laughs> see you later. Peace.
0: Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter.
2: Until next time.